Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Millennial in the Middle. My name's Connor DeLynn. Thanks for listening. And today, I will say to you, happy Juneteenth. And for some of you that are going, what in the world is Juneteenth? I'm going to answer that question for you. And I'm also going to take that this opportunity to talk a little bit about Abraham Lincoln and his life, his legacy, but also some of the complicated nature to his past. As you know from listening to this show, I am opposed to the erase history movement and the cancel culture environment that is taking the world by storm currently and has for the last couple years now. I view these two movements per se as very, very closely related. They're brother and sister because I think, you know, erasing history is simply doing to the past what we're doing in the current to this cancel culture, uh, you know, environment that we find ourselves in. But more than just saying I'm against this, I recognize that there are things that we need to understand, that we need to think about, and I want to walk through that today with the example of Abraham Lincoln, who by most accounts is seen as someone that is almost godlike or deified as a founding father and someone that is, you know, the great emancipator that freed the slaves, that helped lead the Union through the Civil War, and we, you know, almost worship him today, honest Abe. But I want to talk about the calls that have happened recently to cancel Abraham Lincoln, believe it or not, why that's the case, and then actually go through some of his history that may surprise you a little bit. And you may not, you see that he wasn't perfect, just like none of us are perfect. But what can we learn from his life and how can we honor the things that he accomplished in his legacy in a way that we would still feel proud of today? Okay, here we go. So first off, what is Juneteenth? Put very simply, it is shortened for June 19th, and if you were to go Google this today and say, what what is this all about, you'd see a definition like, well, June 19th marks the day when federal troops arrived in Galveston, Texas in 1865 to take control of the state and ensure that all enslaved people be freed. Sounds very simple. So you look at that and you go, okay, well, it it celebrates slavery coming to an end in America. It's not that simple, however. To be honest, it's a little confusing to put an exact date on when slavery was put to an end in America. What you probably remember from history class is learning about the Emancipation Proclamation. Uh, Interestingly enough, the Emancipation Proclamation was signed about two and a half years before what we celebrate as Juneteenth. The Emancipation Proclamation was signed by Abraham Lincoln on January 1st, 1863, and we remember this as what freed enslaved people and put an end to slavery in America. But that really isn't the effect that it had. This is a wild piece of history here. The Emancipation Proclamation, and then that's a tongue twister there, the Emancipation Proclamation only actually applied to states that were in rebellion. So states that were in the Confederacy. So in reality, 
the Emancipation Proclamation didn't free any enslaved people. Why? Because those that were in the Confederate States weren't listening and weren't recognizing the Union government anyway. So Abraham Lincoln saying, hey, what you're doing isn't okay had zero effect because in their mind, they were a separated country that has that had seceded from the union and there was no recognition immediately upon the emancipation being signed the second place where this is interesting is it did not apply to the slaveholding border states or the quote unquote rebel areas that were already under union control so Man, that's an interesting little fine print there. If states in the Union already had abolished slavery, and then Abraham Lincoln said that the states that were out of his control now shouldn't be able to do it, but then they didn't actually go and enforce this in states that were slaveholding under Union control at that time, then what difference did the Emancipation Proclamation actually make? The answer was nothing other than a nice paper and a pure sign from the Union government led by Abraham Lincoln that slavery was going to be abolished completely. So now fast forward forward two and a half years. The war ends in April of 1865, and now on June 19th, just a couple months later, That's when federal troops arrived in Texas to actually enforce the Emancipation Proclamation. You see, in Texas, slavery had continued, and the state really didn't experience any large-scale fighting in the war. They didn't see a presence of Union troops. So a lot of those that owned slaves in the Lone Star State in Texas, they just kept doing it. In fact, Texas was viewed as a safe haven for slavery, and a lot of slave owners actually moved to Texas during the Civil War to kind of get away from all the madness that was happening in the middle of battle and continue on with what they thought life would look like. However, all of this came to a close on Juneteenth. And with General Granger's arrival in Galveston, it signaled freedom for Texas's then 250,000 enslaved people. So the point is emancipation didn't happen overnight. In fact, it wasn't until December of later that year in 1865 that slavery in America was formally abolished with the adoption of the 13th Amendment. So Which day do we celebrate to say the end of slavery in America? Is it when the Emancipation Proclamation was signed on January 1st? Is it when Juneteenth occurred? Or is it when the 13th Amendment was adopted? Uh, It really doesn't matter. The point is what we celebrate on Juneteenth today is the immoral practice of slavery that is unequivocally wrong and the largest dark mark in our nation's history finally coming to a close. Is that a cause worthy of celebrating? Absolutely. Uh, It's interesting because a lot of places that you'll look at this, this isn't a nationally recognized holiday, but this is referred to as the longest running African-American holiday. And 
I really don't like that there's a distinction there. If Juneteenth is the day that we want to we want to signify as that time for America to remember slavery, the effect that it's had in our nation and the importance of it coming to an end and still working to make sure we're overcoming the effects that that laid in our nation for years and years and years. I am all for that. I would not be surprised if Juneteenth became a national holiday here soon. So to all of you listening today, Happy Juneteenth. Now, we could end the story right there. You could say, oh, I picked up a piece of history. I now know the difference of these few times and what went down. But of course, I want to dive into a topic a little more deeply surrounding this today, specifically the philosophies and ideologies and life of Abraham Lincoln. Now, I love Abraham Lincoln. He is my second favorite president. And I want to talk about what he did today, because for me, of all our nation's leaders that successfully found the middle and got stuff done, Abraham Lincoln rises to the top of the list. What's interesting about Abraham Lincoln is he wasn't liked by his own party or the opposing party. Abraham Lincoln was not that popular while he was alive because he was not extreme enough for either of those groups. He truly did find himself somewhere in the middle. And I think it's a good lesson for all of us today that, you know, I look at the time of the Civil War and surrounding that, and while the issues are different and, you know, it doesn't even make sense to call this like a Democrat or a Republican issue, there we could say there was an extreme right and an extreme left. And again, take those words out of what we typically mean when it comes to our party lines today. But he wasn't right enough for those that viewed themselves on the right. He wasn't left enough for those that viewed themselves on the left. And rather than pander to those extremes, Abraham Lincoln's ultimate goal and his main motivation was to unify, was to bring people together in a time in our nation's history where we have never been more divided and further apart. With the Civil War and secession of the Southern states, he literally took office and found himself leading a divided nation. And his main goal was to make progress and to keep people unified and together. And in order to do that, he realized that compromise wasn't a sign of defeat. Rather, compromise was the greatest victory you could possibly obtain, even at times that it looked harder than ever. But often those that seek compromise, that seek understanding, that seek the middle, are outcasted by those that are on the extreme. So I want to go through a few facts about where Abraham Lincoln stood on a few things, that might make you question him as a person. Because there is no doubt, and I need to make sure I make this so clear as I do this episode, there's nothing about slavery 
that is even close to okay. In all ways, it is immoral, it is evil, and it is one of the worst practices a human being on this earth can partake in. And unfortunately, it has been wrapped in world history for centuries in all sorts of different civilizations. The fact that we live in a society today that knows that inherently shows how far we have come as a people. And at the root of slavery in almost all civilizations is racism, which is wrong to the same degree. Where history gets complicated is when we try to judge people of the past to today's standards. We've talked about this before. I, you know, I've compared the Egyptians or the ancient Greeks and Romans that had slaves. And to try and hold people from thousands of years ago to that same standard is very difficult, while at the same time recognizing that it doesn't matter what year it is enslaving another human being, especially on the account of what color their skin is, is wrong. Period. End of discussion. With that said, I want to talk about some, maybe some myths or some things that may not necessarily be true around Abraham Lincoln. First off, Abraham Lincoln was not an abolitionist. So think about that. When we talk about abolitionism in America, it was the group of people in the 1800s that were fighting to end slavery in all forms, and they absolutely had it right. Sometimes they took means that were a little unjust, but that's okay. We've justified that in the past as well, but they were on the right side of history as far as slavery is wrong, it needs to come to an end. Now, Abraham Lincoln did believe that slavery was morally wrong, but he had a problem. Slavery was sanctioned by the Constitution, the highest law in the land. Now, while the nation's founding fathers, and we've discussed this before, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, like they struggled with this issue of how to address slavery. Just as slavery was the reason for the Civil War, it was also the reason for division, disharmony, and the, the biggest roadblock in trying to create the foundation for a nation of how slit, split people were and how passionately they held their beliefs around the idea of slavery. So what did the Founding Fathers do? Well, they never explicitly wrote the word slavery in the Constitution, but they included it in different clauses protecting the institution, including the Fugitive Slave Clause, the Three-Fifths Clause, and it basically, without saying slavery was okay, it paved the way for slavery to still exist in America. In the fall of 1854, Abraham Lincoln gave a three-hour speech in Peoria, Illinois, and he presented a very clear case that he felt slavery was morally wrong and he also posed the case for the legal and for his legal and economic opposition to slavery but he admitted in 1854 that he didn't know what should be done about it within the current political system there is power in that what I want to show here is this evolution that Abraham Lincoln goes through. 
at the beginning here, you know, in 1854, he's saying, look, I know that slavery is immoral. I know that it's illegal. I know that, you know, I'm opposed to it economically, but I don't necessarily know how to fix it. I love the humility that exists in that statement there. Now, the difference at that time, abolitionists felt they knew exactly what they should be done about it. They wanted slavery immediately abolished. They wanted freed enslaved people to be incorporated as equal members of society. And they did not care about working within any sort of existing political system under the Constitution. In fact, they viewed the Constitution, as William Lloyd Garrison, one of the leading abolitionists said, as a covenant with death and an agreement with hell. He went so far as to burn a copy of it at a Massachusetts rally in 1854. So Lincoln isn't burning the Constitution. He still respected the founding fathers. He knew there was a system in place. And he was trying to struggle with this battle of how do we put an end to this immoral practice in our society, but do it in a way that will sustain itself and in a way that we can keep the union together, that we can bring people together. He knew that standing out on the street corner and burning a copy of the Constitution didn't do anything. So Lincoln wanted to work alongside the abolitionists, but they didn't accept him. He wasn't extreme enough. Now, if we were to try and tie this to modern history, what would have gotten the most likes on social media? Abraham Lincoln, in a three-hour speech, getting up and talking about how he had thought about this issue. He'd broken it down, and he was trying to find a way to actually make progress in our country. A three-hour, unbelievable speech about that. Or William Lloyd Garrison burning the Constitution on the side of a street in a heated, angry, passionate rally and saying this was a document with a deal with the devil, burning the Constitution. What do you think in 2020 or 2021 gets the most likes or gets the most views? I'm not going to answer that question. You can figure it out yourself. The second thing about Abraham Lincoln, and this absolutely puts him in a bad light. He didn't believe that black people should have the same rights as white people. So while he argued that the founding father's phrase, all men are created equal, applied to black and white people alike, he didn't think that it meant that they should have the same social and political rights. This view became very clear during an 1858 series of debates with Stephen A. Douglas. We've talked about the Lincoln-Douglas debates before. And listen to this. In these debates, and this is a segment from an article at history.com, Five Things You May Not Know About Lincoln and Slavery and Emancipation. Stephen A. Douglas accused him of supporting, quote, Negro equality. Now think about that. Imagine a society where in a debate with two of the greatest minds at the time, One person could say, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm accusing him of supporting Negro equality. And rather than Abraham Lincoln saying, you're right, I do support Negro equality. This is his answer. 
He says, I will say then that I am not nor ever have been in favor of bringing about in any way the social and political equality of the white and black races. He went on to say that he opposed black people having the right to vote, to serve on juries, to hold office, and to intermarry with whites. What he did believe was that, like all men, black men had the right to improve their condition in society and to enjoy the fruits of their labor. In this way, they were equal to white men, and for this reason, slavery was inherently unjust. Now, his views changed on this later on. It continued to involve, evolve throughout his life. His position on the social and political equality for African Americans changed in the very last speech of his life on April 11th, 1865. He actually argued for black suffrage, saying that any black man who had served the Union during the Civil War should have the right to vote. Does hearing that rock you a little bit? It should. It doesn't sit well with you to think that a man that we in a lot of ways have deified didn't necessarily support Negro equality in his time, that he fought to end slavery, but man, you sure wish he would have gone a whole lot further in trying to bring America closer to that ideal that Thomas Jefferson penned that all men and women were created equal. What do we do when we hear something like this out of the mouth of someone that we respect, we admire, we honor, and in a lot of ways, we have deified? Well, talking through this, um, there's a Harvard professor born in 1950, black man, Henry Louis Gates Jr., who recalled and said this. He said, when I was growing up, Abraham Lincoln's picture was in nearly every black home I can recall. He was the only white man other than Jesus himself to grace black families' walls. Lincoln was a hero to us. And so what do you do when a hero does something or you find something in their past or you find a quote that is far from heroic? Well, what we've often done in society and what history so conveniently tries to do is we cover those parts up or we just don't talk about it. For the people that we want to be the good guys, we focus on the good stuff. For the people that we want to be the bad guys, all we talk about is the bad stuff. Abraham Lincoln during his life was disliked by those on all sides. He was not a popular man. And in fact, his life ended with him being assassinated for his beliefs and what he did. And then after his death, as unpopular he, as he might have been while he was living, well, now it was time for him to be revered. Secretary of War Edwin Stanton at the time announced that he now belonged with the angels. And that assassinated president was credited with this amazing revered status, even by former slave owners. Now, people didn't always 
forget about his flaws and his faults. In 1900, W.E.B. Du Bois, uh, Du Bois, a founder of the NAACP, he kind of pivoted away, pivoted away from Lincoln's sainthood, and he said Lincoln was a big, inconsistent, brave man. Another line about this would be how Barack Obama remembered him. In 2005, Barack Obama said, I cannot swallow the whole view of Lincoln as the great emancipator. But then by 2009, when it was time for Obama to be sworn in as the first African-American president of the United States, whose Bible did he choose to use? None other than that great emancipator, Abraham Lincoln. Okay, this is a little messy, right? What happened toward the end of last year is the cancel culture erase history movement went so far as to call for buildings named after Abraham Lincoln to be taken away and statues to be removed because of things that he'd done in the past that weren't as heroic. Um, Now, most of the arguments actually against this, if you go to this case, it specifically happened in California, was um, was about a controversy that Abraham Lincoln was a part of in 1862 with Native Americans. Um, But I'm not going to get into that today. The, The point of this still is, what do we do when someone that we have, you know, looked at as this hero, like, what do we do when the narrative doesn't match? Well, a few takeaways from this. First off, we as a people have this need to simplify. Our brains are always trying to make sense of the world. We're trying to process it all. We're trying to do that in in order to make it easier for us to go through that process. It's easy to categorize things. It makes things easier to understand when we can label them. And if we have a framework to view the world by and a framework to understand history from, kind of depending on what team we may be on or how we might label someone else, it requires us to think a whole lot less. That's lazy. You can't find the middle by not thinking. You have to, at times, break down preconceived notions, beliefs, or ideas that maybe you've held on to for years. You're like, wait, 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 hold on. Abraham Lincoln's a good guy. Well, here's the other thing we need to remember, and this is point two. We forget often that people can evolve or can evolve. If we simply label someone as good or bad or right or wrong— or we agree with them, or we don't, or they're on our team, or they're not, we deny people the ability to make progress individually, to improve, to become better. You look at Abraham Lincoln, and you can see his views on slavery evolved over time. So do you read his quote from 1854 and go, oh man, that guy that guy's a racist. Or do you look at the progress that he made in 1865, 11 years later, and said, 
I'll give credit to him. He changed. He did a lot of good. If we aren't evolving as a people, then we're not critically thinking. We're not learning. We're not listening. We're not seeking to understand. I would sure hope that my opinions, beliefs, thoughts today have evolved from where I was 11 years ago because I've thought about things. I know no, I now know more. I've had more experiences. And part of life is allowing those experiences and allowing those things to change the way we might feel about certain topics or subjects or items. That's important and that's okay. In fact, it's a strength of any free-thinking individual. Now, the last takeaway for this for me is that the last thing that we should do is ignore the negative about other people. We should try to avoid putting people on a pedestal. Now, I use that imagery because think of the Lincoln Monument. When you go to the Lincoln Monument, I mean, I love that monument. I love the feeling surrounding that. I love Abraham Lincoln. But he views, you view him at that time as almost otherworldly, as deified, as perfect. And if we don't ever talk about the negative, we don't ever talk about people's shortcomings or maybe the mistakes they had or the times that they got it wrong and then learned, we don't see them as human. There is value in seeing leaders and inspirational people of the past as imperfect humans. Why? Because we know in today's present, we are imperfect humans. And I hope that when we go to the Lincoln Monument, we don't see someone that isn't like us, that was perfect and did amazing things because of the amazing skills he had. Rather, I hope we see that and go, wow, that's a real person who was faced with unbelievable challenges and put in a you know, political atmosphere and tasked to run a country that was literally divided. And he made progress. He figured out how to bring people together. Well, he wasn't perfect, but neither am I. And that monument should give me hope and should give all of us hope that we can make a change, that we can make progress in society. And then what we remember, what we honor, what we pay homage to later on isn't necessarily the person, but it's what they did. It's how they responded to adversity. It's how they brought people together and made a difference in the world. And each generation, one after another, takes all the progress that the generation before it made and is then tasked to do a little bit more. That's why I love history, because we should study what people did well and do more of that. And then we should pay attention to what they didn't do well, where they fell short, and we should learn from that. 
so that we don't repeat the same mistakes. I feel as a society right now, we are doing it wrong. We need more Abraham Lincolns. And we should celebrate those that found the middle. We should celebrate those that made a difference to the world. And the answer isn't tearing down the Lincoln Monument. It's going there and seeing him as a man that did some really great things and being reminded that we are men and women, we are humans that are imperfect just like he is, that are learning and trying to improve just like he did, and that we can make a difference too. I want to end with an article from The Hill. It's an opinion, it's an op-ed article here called Dumping Abraham Lincoln, A Word of Advice to Cancel Culture. And I love this mindset because it is from two Jewish rabbis, Abraham Cooper and Harold Brockman. And they say this, a core takeaway from our Torah, the five books of Moses, is that Judaism does not believe in saints, only in flesh and blood, human beings striving to do the right thing, some even trying to do saintly things. Simply put, there are no perfect specimens, no saints, but amazing heroes. They may be flawed, but they are heroes nonetheless. The Hebrew Bible goes to great pains to expose the flaws of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, their wives, and children. Even Moses, the liberator, teacher, and lawgiver, he had his doubts, his anger, his familial failures on full display. From Sarah to Rebecca to Joseph to Kings David and Solomon, their narratives depict them warts and all. Indeed, it has been argued that the shortcomings of our heroes is what makes them and their achievements so accessible from generation to generation. It is perfectly correct to review and revise our opinions of past American heroes. George Washington, FDR, JFK, Ronald Reagan, Martin Luther King Jr., and Barack Obama. We do not serve them or ourselves well by making them out to have been more than human in their political lives. But a word of caution to all those who would cancel all of yesteryear's heroes. Be sure you aren't removing something even more precious than old textbooks and weather-beaten statues. Do not cancel the very concept of memory. Without it, we have no collective future. There's an old Jewish saying, In remembrance lies the roots of redemption. In forgetfulness, the roots of destruction. In 2021, Americans must get back to the hard work of building a more perfect union by utilizing and learning from the past— Past injustices, past mistakes, and yes, past heroes, flaws, and all. I love that. The past is complicated. The present is complicated. The middle can be messy. But the middle is where the answer lies. And the middle is often where progress is made. So, happy Juneteenth. May this be a day where we celebrate progress. And may it serve as a reminder that it's our duty to keep making progress and to keep moving forward because we'll never be perfect, but we can always be better. Until next time. Clowns to the left me, jokers to the right. Here I am stuck in the middle with you. Clowns to the left me, jokers to the right. Here I am 